0: Welcome to the Let's Talk Government podcast, a podcast that is a partnership between the Department of Criminal Justice and the Department of Government at Minnesota State University, Mankato, located in Minnesota in the United States. I am your host, Dr. Pat Nelson, the chairperson of the Department of Criminal Justice. I want to thank you for joining us as we explore different topics related to government. Some may be surprising and some may not. So please enjoy. Welcome to episode 30 of the Let's Talk Government podcast, Local Government in Minnesota, Forms of Administrative Organization. I'm joined by Dr. Miriam Porter from the Urban and Regional Studies Institute in the Department of Government at Minnesota State University, Mankato. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Porter. So why don't we start off in general? You know, how is local government organized um, in general and then in Minnesota?
1: Well, thank you, Dr. Nelson. Um, In Minnesota, we have um, four forms of organizational structure, administrative structure for local governments. And um, that all comes from the Minnesota state statutes. Cities are creatures of the state. The state statutes define the powers of cities and the power of cities influence our day-to-day life where roads are built how they're maintained local economy that affects our jobs and commercial enterprises police practices housing needs all fall within the power of cities the mayor and the city council members are entrusted to make decisions their leadership gives that power Direction. So um, it's always been interesting to me being um, part of a local government institute. um, How much attention with the media that's given to the federal and the state government. But whatever happens at the federal level or the state level comes to life in our cities. It's those policies that play out in our communities. We implement the policies at the other levels of government. You know, for instance, right now, uh, President Biden is talking about the infrastructure plan, the federal infrastructure plan, and then the social infrastructure plan. Both of those will directly impact our cities where we live, it'll impact the roads, it'll impact social programs that are offered to residents in our community. So again, um, local governments are subject to the absolute sovereignty of the state legislature um, with one limited exception. And the exception is the Home Rule Charter. Now, the Home Rule Charter uh, is established. Um, by organizations that determine that's the direction that they want to go. They want to have a charter, and they want to be able to come up with their own methods of doing business in their cities. Um, But even with a charter, which um, is uh, reviewed and put forward by a charter commission, um, the charter has to be in harmony with the Minnesota Constitution and with the state statutes. It can't go above and beyond anything that the state of Minnesota allows. So another interesting aspect of local government that um, you might also find to be intriguing, having worked in uh, lo- for local government, Dr. Nelson, is that surveys indicate that local governments are the most trusted level of government. People have access to their elected officials and they see the policies implemented, for instance, the park plans being discussed, and then eventually they see that park in their neighborhood, so they can see the direct correlation with what their cities are talking about and what their cities are doing. Now, as with the business. Roles and responsibilities are defined in a way seen as the most effective to carry out the city's mission. Now, city's missions vary as far as the verbiage, but they all center around issues of health, welfare, and safety of their community. That's the crux. That's the essence of city missions. And um, when we look at how... Um, these roles and responsibilities play out, we're talking really about the administrative organization of cities. Now in Minnesota, we have four forms of administrative organization that cities could adopt. The first is the weak mayor council. We have the strong mayor council, the city manager and the commission. So let's dissect those a bit. Out of 854 incorporated cities in Minnesota, the weak mayor council plan is the most common. And under the weak mayor council plan, administrative as well as legislative authority is the ultimate responsibility of the city council. The mayor's powers in a city with a weak mayor council plan are no greater than those of any other council member with the exception of some minor duties, um, those being presiding at city council meetings or symbolic roles, such as being the spokesperson of the community, or sometimes going out to those ribbon cutting ceremonies and cutting the ribbon for a new facility in the city.
0: So, So, this system, in the system, the mayor and the city council are still all elected officials, right?
1: They are all, very good point. They're all elected officials and they're elected to those roles, even though uh, in the reality is under the weak mayor council plan, they aren't differentiated much. The mayor does pretty much what the city council does, has one vote. Okay.
0: Thank you.
1: Now um, in the week mayor council plan, often city administrators are appointed because of their professional qualifications. Now this isn't a political appointment. This is based on the knowledge, skills, ability, and credentials of the individual that's appointed to that position. So that's a strong mayor or the weak mayor council plan, and it has nothing to do with physical strength. It just has authority and power. Now let's take a look at the strong mayor council plan. Now on the ballot in Minneapolis, we're looking at a strong mayor council plan as being uh, the potential for the city. And uh, it's relatively rare in Minnesota. Right now, St. Paul, Duluth, and St. Cloud are the only cities with a strong mayor council plan of government. Now, in this form of government, the mayor is generally responsible for the operation of all administrative agencies and departments within the city. Um, He or she can appoint and remove department heads and other subordinate staff. Um, Of course, it's subject to civil service provisions, but he has that or she has that authority. It's uh, not the same as being a council member. Actually, they don't have a vote. The mayor doesn't have a vote, but the mayor can veto whatever the council votes in of course the council can come and override that, that um, vote. Um, and the mayor prepare or the uh, weak mayor or the strong mayor, excuse me, prepares and administers a budget that the council approves. Mm-hmm. So then the council's functions are to set policy, to be legislators. They pass budgets and bond issues And they review the mayoral and the administrative actions. So they do have some oversight about what the mayor does, but not any direct authority. Now, the third plan is the council manager form of um, government. And there are quite a number of cities in Minnesota with the council manager form of government. And under this plan, um, the administrative part of the city duties are all done by the city manager. The city manager is responsible for overseeing all the operations of the city. And um, with this, the city manager is appointed by the full city council by a majority vote of the city council and can be removed at any time that the city council deems appropriate. He or she is an at-will employee. And um, with this appointment, in addition to the administrative duties that the um, city manager has, he or she also advises the city council on policy, um, sets up policy alternatives, may make a recommendation to the city council, and then whatever the city council decides, that person will implement the policy. So no. in,
0: this, in this type of plan, Dr. Porter, the city manager can have a longer duration than the elected fit officials, right? A city manager could be a long-term employee.
1: That is another really good point. Yes, we have city managers uh, like uh, the city manager of Mankato for uh, was previous to the one currently in the office, was in his position for 27 years. So they, they, again, they'll serve at the pleasure of the city council. If it's not going well, or if the city council changes, they can replace the city manager. Okay. So at Minnesota State um, University, we have uh, a program in local government management. We train city managers and have a number in various communities, not only in Minnesota, but throughout the United States and currently in 10 different countries. So uh, city management is quite a... um, Up and coming, although it's been around since the 1920s, it's a profession that a lot of cities are giving, you know, a lot of credence to.
0: That is just so amazing. Your guys' institute reaches that far. You're so involved in this. So, So what are some benefits of having a city manager instead of just having elected officials running a city?
1: Well, it brings in the professional component, Um, Not that a mayor and a city council aren't professional, but they are political people and they need to be responsive to politics. And a city manager takes more of a neutral role in providing information, gathering information and providing it. And everybody has equal access to having their information passed through to the city council. There's not going to be politics to stop that. So that neutral role and a professionally trained person who understands uh, organizations, city organizations, city departments, and the needs of the, the local politicians is, uh, I think, the greatest benefit and why a lot of cities have, have gone to that form of government.
0: That makes a lot of sense.
1: Now, the last form of government is not even used in Minnesota anymore in whole, but it's on on the record. And uh, the cities like Minneapolis use it in part, and it's called the commission form of government. And under the commission form of government, elected uh, council members are responsible for particular departments uh, in addition to legislative duties. And so the council member may be also a department head Um, the mayor in the commission form of government has the same powers and duties as the council members. But that while that is popular in some parts of the country more than others, and it has lost a lot of popularity. It is no longer um, a pure system. A commissioner form of government is no longer a pure system, but rather charter cities uh, take on part of that role. will use part of the commission role.
0: So with the commission system, I know it's not used in Minnesota, would that be more effective in a smaller local government or larger, or is it kind of spread across the board in other states?
1: Well, actually we've seen commission more at the county level than at okay. the city level historically. And it is um, uh, not, again, not so much in, not in Minnesota, But it it has been more of an East Coast form of government. And that probably was an offspring of the town hall. And then they had their people elected to do certain jobs, take on certain departments. And it was just an offshoot. And that's where it remains. But still, it's very rare. Um, To give you a breakdown, now this is in the 100 largest cities in the country. Uh, 47 have strong mayor uh, governments. 46 have council-manager governments. Uh, six have hybrid, which is what Minneapolis currently has as a hybrid, and one has commission. Mm-hmm. So, in all of the United States, just one has adopted of cities have adopted the the uh, pure city commission form of government. Um, In the East Coast, again, you might find counties run more on the commission form of government.
0: So does Minnesota state statute allow cities to be a hybrid or do they have to choose one category?
1: Well, they're allowed to be a hybrid through their charter. So cities that adopt a charter can really put into play whatever configuration that they want, as long as it conforms with the state statutes. The charter gives them that leeway.
0: So since you mentioned charter here, why don't can you explain a little bit about what a charter is? How would how would a city be formed? a city government be formed under charter?
1: Well, first of all, you have a charter commission that is appointed and the charter commission is generally appointed by elected officials. And those people have the charge to review the city charter, which is really the policies, procedures, guidelines, rules, um, structures of that city. And uh, they can make recommendations based on the elected officials um, uh, requests or public sentiment, but they uh, really can formulate whatever the city sees is the best configuration to do city business. And charters are um, periodically reviewed. And in the case of Minneapolis, the Charter Commission reviewed the form of government, form of administration, and is making a recommendation to put on the ballot for a strong mayor form of government in the city of Minneapolis.
0: So why is it important that the people of the city get a chance to vote on a charter amendment? Why not just make an amendment and have the city council approve it?
1: Well, we get into our representative government and our ability to have a say in things. Again, we, you know, we're talking about how um, cities affect our day-to-day life. We're able then to have a say on how our day-to-day life will be impacted by the configuration of uh, city business, how administration is evolving and unfolding. So that allows our, us to have some input into all of that.
0: Well, I imagine it also stops a politician from just changing the charter at whim to benefit them. It has to go to the people.
1: Oh, that's an excellent point. Yes, it has to go through that charter commission process.
0: So you mentioned that there were three cities right now that have the strong mayor council system in place. And those seem to be three of the four largest cities in Minnesota Is there some benefit to having a strong mayor in a large city? Well, you know,
1: that's another really interesting question. Um, If you look at St. Cloud, St. Cloud is not a particularly large city and it is more like a a suburb. Um, Duluth, again, is more like a, you know, is a smaller, smaller city. Um, St. Paul is I think the second largest in in um, Minnesota, but we have uh, Rochester, Bloomington, city manager forms of government. You know, if we look at that top 100 in population in the United States, now let's take Phoenix for instance. Phoenix has 1.5 million people, and Phoenix has a city manager form of government. Then we have. Minneapolis, who, uh, according to the 2019 census, had a little over 420,000 people. And that has the hybrid that kind of, and we'll talk a little bit more detail um, on the city of Minneapolis, if you'd like to do that. So Minneapolis is a a hybrid and um, it's part commission, part executive committee. So, um, in Minneapolis, we have um, a committee made up of the mayor and members of the 13-person city council um, that come together as a an executive committee. And the executive committee pretty much runs the, um, excuse me, the executive committee pretty much runs the um, Administrative aspect of the city and makes recommendations to the city council as
0: a whole. So, now, I'm, and I just like to note, I was of, I was an employee of Minneapolis. So many times in the media right now. You will hear that department chairs then have 14 bosses with this executive committee, the mayor and the city council. So that's what you're talking about. With the executive committee or, are those 14 people, right?
1: Well, the executive committee actually isn't 14 people, but it is the mayor, the city council president, and up to three members of the city council. Oh. And the executive committee makes recommendations to the full city council, and that's when the Fourteen, the, they call it the fourteen boss problem, <laughs> comes into play um, because. But the executive committee is a, a smaller um, group, out, which is composed of the city council. Now, um, the city departments are overseen by the executive committee in Minneapolis, and the dis- executive committee decides on um, who to what names to forward to hire people. Now that that process starts with the executive committee and then it passes to the city council. And the executive committee also decides who can be terminated or makes that recommendation. But that again passes through the city council. Um, So with this ballot question, um, the issue is to... Take some of what is considered confusion out of the process in running city departments, hiring personnel, firing personnel, and centralizing that in the mayor, in a strong mayor. And so um, the administrative responsibilities then are focused with that mayor, and there's a single chain of command under the mayor. And um, this distinguishes the mayor um, from the legislative functions. So the mayor is responsible for the administration of the um, city of Minneapolis, would be responsible for the city of Minneapolis. And then the city council would be the people that are um, making policy and um looking to legislate for the city of um, Minneapolis, but the mayor would be responsible totally for fire department, health department, community planning, economic development, emergency management, public works, all of those and continue to be responsible for the planning or for the police department. Um, The council would remain the, um, in charge of the, the purse, the money, the budget, the council would continue to be the body that passes the budget. The mayor would make the recommendation in this case.
0: So, so important for oversight. You can't let just one person control the budget. You need to definitely have oversight by the city council on where the money is being spent. I think that's important.
1: So. That is so important to have that input from the various perspectives.
0: Mm-hmm. Now,
1: opponents of the strong mayor form of government are saying that one problem with the administration being focused with the mayor is that when people, the people that turn out to vote in Minneapolis tend to be more in the affluent community. And so they're the people that are electing the mayor. This is what the opponents are saying. And so the more concentration of power that is put in the mayor, the more concentration of power that's put in the wealthy neighborhoods of the community. They also feel that there's going to be less transparency with all the power um, centered in that um, elected position.
0: So it's important to note, though, the mayor is elected citywide, but then the council people are voted on by wards or districts, depending on what city you're in. So you have actually you have more contact or connection with your council person than the mayor. So that might be some of the concern as well as that the mayor has so much power. I mean, the entire city votes for him, which means the more affluent people would be choosing who's running the city. So that's an interesting a good point.
1: That is another good point. Now, it's interesting, Dr. Nelson, I was having uh, dinner uh, this past weekend with a couple of people from the city of Minneapolis who are very much engaged in what's going on in the city. And we talked about the for- the uh, ballot question and we talked about then forms of government. And um, they were leaning toward the strong mirror, feeling that that might be the best option but interestingly they knew nothing about the city manager form of government that that had never uh, been part of the discussion uh, or public discussion in the city of minneapolis now when they heard about the city manager form of government and the fact that you have a professional executive kind of like a board of directors who appoint a ceo who then administers the day-to-day, but totally under the guidance of the elected officials or the elected board. Um, they liked that concept, but they said it was never framed as a question for us on the ballot, that only the strong mayor form of government. Um, but it's interesting to me that um, the city manager form of government would have addressed a lot of the issues of um, uh control in the mayors with an elected official and transparency and um, uh, the ability of uh, all the council members to consider and address issues that are facing the community, you know, have that brought to them as a body as a whole, but they are the ones that direct the policy. They don't implement the policy. So uh, they oversee the implementation, but you have a professional uh, taking on that role. Um, But that didn't come up with the city of Minneapolis. So that's interesting how that all came about. It is
0: really interesting because it would actually address some concerns and some missteps that have happened in Minneapolis, especially when you have a newly elected official in who's still trying to get up to speed and then an event occurs. And they have no reference, where if you had a professional city manager that could be in the mayor's ear or the city council person's ear saying, here, this is how we do this and why, so that you can tell your constituents instead of saying, yeah, it was on page 85 of the manual we handed you. I know you haven't had a chance to read that yet. So there might be some consistency there, right?
1: That's a real-life situation you were (laughs) describing there um, for the mayor of Minneapolis coming on new and having a series of crises to deal with. So, um, of course, you know, that's my field, so I'm uh, an advocate and proponent of it, but... You know, given what I've heard about the city of Minneapolis and their problems, that would have been something I would have suggested that they consider would have been, you know, to take a look at the city manager form of government and how well it has worked in very large cities like San Antonio, Texas. And again, in um, uh, Phoenix, Arizona, cities much, you know, three times larger than Minneapolis.
0: Well, and that professionalism would be so important because you don't have to have any credentials to get elected you can be elected as a city council person with no understanding of local governance or public administration. So having a professional that could help navigate that or interpret would be really important. And they just don't have that without a city manager.
1: And, you know, that is so true. That's not to say that a mayor or city council can't have education in the field and be knowledgeable, but a person that that is their role, that's their appointed role. And the city council has all of the power as a body that it always has to be a majority of council members directing the city manager. The city manager can't act on one or two city council members, nor can he or she meet with um, one or two city council uh, members. They have to have open meetings. So it becomes a much more transparent process when you have a city manager involved.
0: So I know we've talked about Minneapolis quite a bit. Uh, What do you see for our smaller cities? I know you've done a lot of work with uh, cities in southwestern Minnesota and the Minneapolis-St. Paul suburbs. What kind of government do they kind of take on?
1: Well, most of them I deal with have the weak mirror form of government where they appoint a city administrator or they have a council manager form of government. So they do have professional people uh, in an administrative role. Now, um, one point that I think often we aren't aware of, what is the difference between a city administrator and a city manager? A city administrator really has all of the responsibilities of overseeing departments and um, advising the city council, um, implementing policy, but he or she typically can't hire or fire personnel. That is part of the role of the city or the city council. A city manager typically has the ability to hire and fire personnel so that's the primary distinguishing factor between those and one comes out of the home rule charter the city manager and the other comes out of the state statutes the um, city administrator so that's what distinguishes the two
0: well and that makes sense especially for um, I think of smaller cities where the mayor and the city council members also have full-time jobs that they they've been elected to represent their constituents, but they they also have to do their job. So they don't want to worry about who is who is doing the right paperwork and that type of thing. Where a city administrator or manager is that professional that fills that role. So,
1: oh, that is so true. Um, often council members don't even have offices in city hall. They come in for the meetings. They you know might come in and meet with the staff and the city administrator or manager, but they you're right, they have jobs that they have um, to work full time. And so it's, you know, really a volunteering for their community in these roles. And it is important to have somebody who has a pretty good feel for the complexities of local government. And, um, you know, when you think about the state statutes and the processes, you know, to do a public improvement, you have to know state statutes that will guide you through the process of doing the public improvement and special assessments to pay for it. So there's so many pieces to um, the complexity of local government that it's hard for someone to just come in and be expected to know that, you know, it, It takes really we most of our um, uh, students that go out to become city managers have master's degrees in the field in city management and um, have done internships and for a period of six months to a year prior to um, taking on that role.
0: Well, and there's so much relationship building as well, because, I mean, cities are not an island among uh, upon themselves. They're a part of counties. There are other cities nearby that they work with cooperatively. Um, there's regions. So there needs to be relationship building. And if you only have a mayor and a elected council that doesn't have time to go do that, then you're really losing out on opportunities with grants and infrastructure. So,
1: so true. So true that um, those... Um, Their um, relationships and responsibilities to know what the county is expecting the city to do. You know, for instance, the job of um, waste control is part of the county function, but they have passed that on to the cities. So cities have to work closely with garbage and recycling, you know, with the county government, who has the overall responsibility, but the cities are responsible for the day to day management of it. Um, and regional government and planning for infrastructure, transportation, um, being part of those systems um, is all very important.
0: So I would just like to go back to one, something you mentioned that I don't know if our listeners are aware of. but uh, And I hate to put you on the spot, but could you kind of briefly describe what the, you meant about the open meeting law? I mean, why, why does it exist? Why can't a city manager meet with um, just individual city council persons? Like that.
1: Well you know as far as one person you can but if you have a couple of them together and are having a discussion, then that should be something that is done in the public forum. Now there's exceptions to that. Um, if it has to do with a lawsuit or a personnel issue, then you can go into a closed session. But if it has to do with the general day to day business, it has to be done in a public forum where public can have input and the public need to be informed that there's a public hearing or there's a city council. So um, it's part of the transparency. And I think also it helps with the trust of local government when people know that they can go to the department, they can go to the uh, city council meetings where they can attend a public hearing. Um, so I think that that's why why we do see local governments as more trusted, and we value that in local government,
0: right? Accountability. So, well, thank you for letting me interrupt with questions. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts on local government, or anything I didn't ask about you'd like to mention?
1: Well, it's um, pr- the most um, dynamic aspect of our, our government because it's really where the action is and uh, it's really fascinating and I always hope that people become involved with their local governments. There's so many opportunities in the way of volunteerism, serving on commissions, serving as an elected official and uh, you become part of the community and, and um grow with it. So I I hope that knowing a little bit more about um, how communities are structured might uh, be uh, something that will entice people to uh, become part of it.
0: Yeah, for everybody who says my vote doesn't matter at local government level, it really does matter. It impacts you the most, impacts your friends and family, and you really can have a huge influence there.
1: So true, every single vote counts. Mm
0: Well thank you Dr. Porter. I always love having great conversations with you and I thank you for joining me today.
1: Well thank you for all your great questions Dr. Nelson.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Government. If you have suggestions for future episode topics or other areas you'd like us to cover, please visit our website at link.mnsu.edu/letstalkgov to submit your ideas. Join us every Tuesday for a new episode and thank you for listening.